clock in, never clock out. No way with the slackers. No, no way with the slackers. No, 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 no way with the slackers. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Welcome, welcome to the Path of Revelation show. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Man, I have an amazing show today for you guys. Uh, I'm actually going to have two featured songs for this episode. The first song is going to be from my brother, Tone Spain, who who just released his latest single, Unclean, featuring the homie D Black. And the second featured song for this episode is going to be our song, King Me, from our album, Grace and Vanity. And so before we hop into that, I also have want to encourage you guys to check out the website, pathofrevelationnow.com. Leave your prayer requests, leave your comments, leave suggestions for future segments. Um, I have been reading the emails from you guys and, and, and striving to respond um, as fast as possible. And listen, this is what it's all about. I know that a lot of the topics that I address on my show may not ne- you may not necessarily be used to hearing these type of topics addressed over the pulpit. And so you may have questions, you may have comments. Hey, hit me up. It's fine. I think we need more biblical dialogue around these topics. But listen, I've really been thinking lately about how important it is for us as Christians to stay diligent in prayer, to stay diligent in reading God's word and seeking God's face for ourselves. And and listen, it's nothing wrong with studying theology, listening to different preachers who have solid biblical worldviews and, and, and things of that nature. But it is so important for us to seek God for ourselves and have a foundation in God where it's just us and his word. You know, a lot of people, you know, I get people asking me all the time, you know, Gabe, what are you reading? What books are you reading? And sometimes my response is just simply the Bible. Like, The Bible, you know, the Holy Spirit will give you, will illuminate and give you revelation. And and the Bible is so rich. And that's not to say that I have anything against us studying and, and, and reading other commentaries and things of that nature. But it's so important for us to have a solid foundation for ourselves, because one of the things that I'm realizing is that. The culture that we live in, the world that we live in is so self-centered. Everything is about us and and I, me, I and self-glorification. And one of the things that I've recognized is that this mentality has 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 made its way into the hearts of many believers where we've made the gospel about us, where we've made the Bible about us and and what God can do for us versus what can we do for God. And so I think it's think it's important that we as Christians not be conformed to this world as Romans Romans chapter 12 verse 1 through 2 talks about where it says and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because our culture I believe has begun to really twist what it means to be Christians. I believe we're in a culture of non-Christians attempting to teach Christians how to be Christians. And that definition is not in line with what the Bible is teaches. Um, and And a lot of this, a lot of times we as Christians, we fold to the belief systems of the world in attempts to please men over pleasing God and to please our desires over pleasing God's desires. And so one of the things that I've recognized is we are in a culture that mixes scripture with self-worship. I've literally seen people share scriptures and make it about themselves. And, and, and it's scary because the Bible 
is about God's glory, not our glory. You know, one of my I made a post about this recently and one of my Facebook friends by the name of Don Weeks. Hey, if Don, if you're listening, what's up? Uh, she made such a profound uh, statement in response to my post. And she said, using scripture to confirm our own ideas rather than letting scripture inform and transform our ideas. And so I think it's important that it, it could be we have to make sure as believers that we're not approaching the Bible uh, with a self-centered mentality. We have to make sure we're not approaching prayer with a self-centered mentality um, and, 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 and make sure that we're approaching God with a, a heart of submission. I believe one of the most common scriptures that's taken out of context is Psalms 37 verse 4 that 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 reads delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart a lot of times when people uh, interpret the scripture or read the scripture they ignore the first part and just focus on and he will give you the desires of your heart but the most one of the most important, the most important parts of that scripture is delight yourself in the Lord. And when it says delight, that word delight means to take pleasure in him or take pleasure in what he takes pleasure in. And so when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we literally uh, deny our pleasures. We deny our will for his will and hit and, and what his pleasures are. And so once we do that, the Bible lets us know, then he will give us the desires of our heart because our desires are now in line with his desires. And so, man, we have to get back to the basics as Christian, uh, as Christians. If, if we're making every sermon that we listen to about us or if we're listening to preachers that are 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 strengthening our egos and never challenging us to deny ourselves and confront our pride in our and sin in our life and 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 submitting to Christ and exalting Christ we need to cut them off Jesus said this in Luke 9 and 23 he says if any man will come after me he must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. We cannot think that God is glorified when we're self-centered and glorifying things that are in opposition to his word. But listen, I want to hop into the first featured song for this episode, which is my brother Tone Spain is his latest single unclean featuring the homie D black man let this song minister to you make sure you get it on whatever digital outlet you listen to your music on Lord, who am I to have your glory fall upon me? We tell you that we love you while we walking like zombies. If the message was pleasant, they would view me more fondly. That's comedy. I ain't watching society burn calmly. I ain't looking for no converts. I'm looking for disciples, some folks that are hunkered down and put their face in a Bible, put their knees on the floor and beckon for our survival. That know that Jesus is Lord. He never had a to understand the call and no submission is vital Sword working the idols, the Lord working revival It's a cycle, that's probably why I wrote this verse With grief and tears, praying that my people know the Lord Before it reappears, blinded by my flesh and my emotions Now I see it clear, prepare the oil The groom is coming, the king is near We're unclean, I got unclean lips Holy Spirit, please cleanse us of our uncleanness Unclean, we gon' know that he is Lord though We gon' know that he is God Unclean, we gon' know that he is Lord, though. 
We gon' know that he is God. Saw it working the idols, the Lord working revival. Saw it working the idols, the Lord working revival. Saw it working the idols. But unclean in the Lord working revival, we gon' know that he is God. You see the music getting better, but the message getting lost. Now the gospel's like a treasure, cause we hunting for the cross. Gotta listen for the lyrics that can tell me what's your motive. Cause you say you repping God, but you're the only one promoted, Lord. In a sense, it seems we lost our innocence. The Holy Spirit speaking, you can call that inner sense. It's now dollar and cents that seem to be the motivation, ovation, and accolades are the cause of this amputation. Separate from the body and functioning off of thought, but a body without the head can't live, no life support. We got theology debates on social media, citing references from YouTube and Wikipedia. Why the world sees hell was just fiction And every single Christian has a walking contradiction I don't walk in competition, I carry my own cross Every blessing is a price, you can't cover another's cause He is God We gon' know that He is Lord though We gon' know that He is God We gon' know that He is Lord though we gon' know that he is God. Saw it working the idols, the Lord working revival. Saw it working the idols, the Lord working revival. Saw it working the idols. But unclean in the Lord working revival. We, we gon' know, know that he is God. What part of this is you not getting? We not smitten. But the world's devices, the saints walking with God in them. And I pray we walk with him like Brother Enoch's living in Hill Kaya the priest as we inquire and read in his word. We couldn't serve men without serving God aside from our compass and pledges. I see we earn. It's not everybody trying to be seen, they trying to earn a spot or earn a check or earn respect or earn a job. But I pray we fall on our faces, be humbled and repent for abusing all of his graces. Unclean. Saints, I pray we fall on our faces, be humbled and repent for abusing all of his graces. Unclean. Church, I pray we fall on our faces, be humbled and repent for abusing all of his graces. Unclean. I pray we fall on our faces, be humbled and repent for abusing all of his graces. Unclean. So, man, I got this crazy story to share with you guys, you know, and this this story is a perfect example of why it's important to treat people right. You have to you have to, you have to treat people right. And I can't stress this enough. I I, I strive. And, and when I say this, I strive not to show respect of persons when 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 i encounter people and what i mean by that is i try to i try to treat the janitor i strive to treat the janitor with the same respect and attention as i do the ceo or the owner but i got to share this story because this is a story of treating people the right way in reaping what you sow. And so for, for many of you guys, many of you guys know that I, I'm an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. I own and operate my own um, glass repair business, windshield repair business. So basically, when someone gets a stone chip in their windshield, my company is able to repair the chip in their windshield. And I, pro I specifically provide my services at repair shops and oil changes and detail shops. Basically, wherever cars come to receive service, you know, that's where I want my business at. And so over the last two to three years, maybe even four years, I've solely been working with oil changes um, just because oil change oil changes are usually the the best place to to provide my service, um, because people are already coming with the intention of getting their car serviced, and my service doesn't take any extra time. It's free with the proper full coverage and all of that good stuff. But nevertheless, so there was a particular oil change that I <clears throat> worked with. For two years, two years straight. And when I say the owner of this oil change, he ran his business great. We had a good working relationship. I did very well with his customers. And um, 
out of all the oil changes that I've ever worked at and, and provided my service at, he by far ran an oil change better than anyone. Just from professionalism to cleanliness to customer service, just on his game, right? So I ended up leaving from working with this particular oil change to work with a franchise oil change company. And one of the reasons why I left working with this particular oil change, though I really enjoyed it, I left to work with this franchise oil change because it was an opportunity for me to expand my business and hire employees and staff their locations with my employees. Right. So as I begin to work with this particular oil change, you know, things started out really well. But after a while, the I, I begin to notice the ownership of this particular oil change was mistreating their employees and it was blatant. They, they didn't treat their their managers right. I mean, good managers, good employees, people who came to work to do their job and treated the customers right. They just disrespected and, and, and mistreated these managers and employees wrong. You know, promised raises and prolonged giving them raises and, you know, just all of these different things. And so in my encounter with the owners, they mistreated me as well, even though I was providing a service to their customers and, you know, they wouldn't speak when they saw me. You know, when I would because I, I pay a rent to the oil changes that I work with. And when I would go to their headquarters, <clears throat> the owners, which was a husband, which is a husband and wife, they would barely even acknowledge me. Like I would almost have to be standing in their path, in their way for them to say hi or or it just acknowledge me. They weren't very friendly at all. And and they and, and eventually um, they ended up parting ways with my business because, you know, they wanted me to train their managers. And ultimately what they were looking to do was replace my company and kick and kick and kick us out of the their branches anyway, which is OK, this business. But they just they just didn't handle things professionally. They didn't give me a heads up. They didn't do any of these things. And hey, I have a business. I have a family that I'm feeding and they just kicked me out. Right. <clears throat> so I worked with this particular oil change for about a year and a half. And I ended up going to pitch to work at another oil change. And this is where the story gets interesting. I went and pitched this other oil change and the owner of this oil change is a born again believer. I mean, this man love clearly loves God. Like I consider him a friend. He's a friend. Like he's my brother in Christ. You know, I feel like I've known him forever because we've had so many edifying conversations. I've met his family. We went out to eat multiple times, went to church, visited his church. Like, man, it, it was an awesome experience. Just just a God obviously a God thing. And this is a older white gentleman and I'm a younger black guy, but we're brothers in Christ. And so as he and I begin to fellowship and, 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 and just build as brothers in Christ, one particular time we were out to eat and he began to express to me, um, how he's looking to sell or rent out his oil change. Because he's just not, you know, the business, he, he doesn't, he, you know, his oil is just not his thing. He's like, man, I feel like somebody else can do a better job with the oil change than I'm doing, you know, and I'm just ready to let it go because he has other businesses and things that he's running. So, so this is where it got really interesting as he began to describe one of the offers because he had two offers on the table. The first offer, as he began to describe the owner 
and how he runs his business, I, I recognized it and I said, I said the owner's name and his eyes lit up and he said, how did you know? I was like, man, I worked with him. This was the first oil change I was telling you about, the one where I had a great experience. He was like, man, I told him, I was like, man, I worked with him for two years straight. He's a great business owner. He'll do great with your location. And then I said, after I went from working with him, I went to work with this other company and his eyes got big again. And he was like, they're the second offer. And so literally when I, the oil change that I, that I had a good experience at was the first offer. And the second oil, the, the oil change that I went to work with after I left that one was the second offer. And now we're sitting at lunch and he's saying, hey, <clears throat> what can you tell me about them? And obviously what I had to say about the first oil change was very positive. But I had to be honest about the second oil change which was the franchise. And I said, to be honest, man, they have a lot of oil changes in a lot of locations, but they're mistreating their people. And I had to be honest, I said, they're not good people. And he, and, and he was like, man, this is helping me out so much. He was like, man, I didn't feel right about them. He says, I liked the first offer, but I didn't feel right about the second one. He said they didn't seem honest. It, it, it was something fishy about them. And he says, everything you're telling me is confirming how I already felt. He was like, thank, and he told me, thank you. And because of my experience or a large, a big part of my experience, me sharing my experience caused the first to get the deal and the second one to lose the deal. And so it be, I began to think about this and in, 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 in I believe the Lord really began to deal with me about, hey man, you have to plant the right seeds. You have to treat people right. Not just, not just because you, you, you're expecting something from people and, and you don't know who they are, but it's so important for us to treat people right because it's the right thing to do it's the right thing to do and so secondly we don't know we can't judge people based off of where they are because we never know where what what they will be tomorrow or who they're connected with and here's the reality even that doesn't matter really because we're all made in the image of God. We're all made in his likeness. And so this is why it's important to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Like we have to love our neighbors. We have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind and our soul and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And these are the two most important commandments. And so I just thought that was interesting, man, that that's that really it just blew my mind because I was like, man, this is this is you never know. <laughs> you never know. But listen, I want to hop into the second featured song for this episode, which is our song King Me featuring Matt's wife, Rosalind Mitchell. And this song is from our album Grace and Vanity. Let's hop into King Me.
a suit and shine. I, I, I bought a heart in my Lambo. Cashed out, no car note. My big chain cost more than your house or your condo. You say I'm dead, but I'm stunned. I got racks and I got dreams. It really don't matter if I blaspheme. I'm God and myself and everything. My will is first. Why you say I'm dead and cursed? Only God can judge and since I'm God, my heaven is here on earth. I'm in my zone and in my zone. I'm the only one sitting on the throne. Like the haze, my mind blown. What you wanna talk about when I'm dead and gone? Make it rain, pop bottles, fast lane, full throttle. Look at my life, you think a lot of me for savior. Keep your Bible, custom cars and clothes. Women by the droves. No talk about eternity or state of my soul. We living for the moment, living for the high. Hell will have a party when this boy dies. You say I'm living for the So lately, I've been really meditating on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, where it says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I've really been thinking about this scripture lately. Uh, now that I'm 34 years old, going on eight years of marriage to the woman of my dreams and two beautiful boys, a five-year-old and an 18-month-old, like I don't consider, and I know people, some will disagree with me, but I don't consider myself to be a young adult anymore. Like to me, the young adult years are age 18 through 29. I feel like those are the years when you're gaining your independence and people view you as an adult, but there's kind of a leniency there where uh, there's still you're still figuring things out. But now as a 34 year old man, I feel like, you know, it's past, though, the phase of figuring things out. And it's a matter of, hey, you got to get it together. <laughs> you should have it. You should have it together. And so I've been really thinking about this scripture as it relates to my responsibility as a father and a husband and how, you know, what type of parent am I? What type what am I instilling in my children? And, and one of the reasons why I've been really thinking about this is because my wife, she's a um, therapist. And so she's constantly sitting down with uh, people's kids as well as adults. And people have 
people have problems, man. People are are battling so much, you know, from and and when I and specifically the children, it, it what I'm seeing is a lot of these things, the issues that people have, it began when they were kids. Um depression, like extreme depression, suicidal thoughts, addictions and molestation and different things. And so I begin to think about Proverbs 22 and and six and how it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so I really begin to think about what is our responsibility as Christian parents and, and the importance of training up our children in the ways of the Lord. You know, one of the thoughts that I had was, uh, or one of the questions that crossed my mind is, why is the world so messed up? And I be, I really began to meditate on this and really think about it. And one of the, the, the answers I believe that the, the Lord dropped in my heart was, the world is messed up because people homes people's homes are. When we look at the world and see how messed up the world is, it's because people's homes are messed up. That is like ground zero for what we're going to become in life and, and, and the things that shape us. It starts at home. And so I really begin to think about our responsibility as Christians and as I've had a lot of conversations with people who have grown up in church their entire life, but no longer identify as Christians and they've walked away from the faith, I've realized that a lot of these individuals, they knew church, but they never knew God. They never got a solid foundation in the word of God for themselves, or they never knew Christ but they knew church. And so one of the things that I think is important for us as Christian parents is that we make sure that we're training up our children in the ways of the Lord, you know, and and not confuse training up our children in church with training up our children in the ways of the Lord, because we could train up our children in church and we can we can make sure that they know church formality. They know how to sing the songs. They they come to children's church or the nursery or they sit in service and they know they know the formality of church. But it is so important that we make sure our children are getting a solid foundation at home. And so if we are a part of a Bible believing church. It is so important that we make we make sure that our children see that example being lived at home, because one of the things that I found out is that a lot, not all. Let me be clear, not all, but a lot of people who walk away from the faith, a lot of teenagers don't even have, you know, who have grown up in the church, have no desire for God. A lot of times it has to do with the hypocritical example that they see in their parents. And I know we don't like, we don't really talk about this a lot in the church, but one of the things that I find out is a lot of people walk away from Christianity is because they had parents that identified as Christians and their parents were active in church. Their parents were on the deacon board. My dad is a deacon or they let my mom leads the choir or, you know, my dad preaches every Sunday, whatever they, their parents had positions in the church and their parents knew how to put on the church face when they were at church. Praise the Lord, a smile on their face. Their parents are the sweetest person at church, but the nastiest person at home. And so they saw their parents living and acting one way in church but living and acting the total opposite at home, living like an angel at church, acting like an angel, but acting like the devil at home. And so what has happened is because the parents 
or the parent did not have a standard by which they actually lived and they were faking now in the in the in the child sees how their parent is esteemed greatly they assume that all church people are fake and they say man you know what if this is what it means to be a christian or if this is what it means to be a saint i don't want anything to do with it and so one of the things that i i we have to make sure that we're not being a stumbling block to our own children. Are you be, are you planting seeds of righteousness or are you being a stumbling block? And this is a question that I always ask myself because one of the things that I recognize is my son he emulates everything that he sees me do, especially when they see me do it, but they emulate what they see us as parents do. When they see my wife say something, they, they, when they see how we love on each other, they love on each other. The bad habits that we have, they'll duplicate it. Like for example, my son, <laughs> and I'm just telling on myself, I, I used to have a bad habit of biting my nails. And my wife would always get on me about me biting my nails. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, I was rebellious. I, I really wasn't paying attention to her. I was wrong. OK, OK, ladies, I was wrong. But I would I would continue to bite my nails and do what I want to do. But it wasn't until my wife called me in the room and said, look at look at your son's nails. I'm talking about my oldest son, Andrew. And I looked at his nails. He had bitten all of his nails down to the meat he had, he 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 didn't used to bite his nails but he had bitten started to bite his nails why because he had saw daddy doing it and so that put a urgency on me to change my behavior patterns and to change my habits and the moment i began to stop biting my nails after a while he stopped biting his and so our kids follow the examples that we set, the good and the bad. And so I, it's, it's so important that we make sure that we're setting the right example. I, I, I thank God for my parents. And, and there was a time I used to be ashamed of my testimony because I, I don't have a horror like like the truth the song that the truth has on one of his albums. I don't have no horror stories, you know, that I feel like that's my testimony. It's not a horror story, but it's, it's a, it's a story of, I, I had two parents who love, who love God, who, who led by example. You know, we, we, I, I was blessed to see a consistency with my parents. What I saw in church is what I saw at home how I saw them loving people in church. I saw them loving people in the neighborhood and on their jobs. My mom used to open up the house to the kids in the neighborhood. And she started a organization, a neighborhood organization for the kids called King's Kids, where she would feed the neighborhood kids and give them the gospel. And I got to see my mom and my dad loving on people and giving them the gospel and that made such a big impact on me on my life because it was consistent with what they were giving us and giving others and what I saw at church it wasn't hypocritical and and it's not to say that my parents were perfect they had their flaws and different things but but I but it was evident that they loved God and that example that they set made an impact on my life at a very young age. You know, when, when the Lord saved me, I was but, I was probably only in first or second grade. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, I was young and because my parents have been, had been instilling the word of God in me, not just taking me to church, but actively praying with me at home, praying with me. They would, um, my father, 
would have me and my siblings gather around the couch in the living room and all of us would kneel on our knees and we would go through the Lord, um, the Lord's prayer and he would have each of us pray and he would teach us the importance of prayer. My dad really embraced the role of being the priest of, of his house. And it, and it made an impact on me at a young age. But when I was in first or second grade, I called myself rebelling against the teachings of my father. And I wanted to fit in with the with my classmates and I wanted to blend in with those around me. So I started cussing like a sailor. I was saying, I, man, my mouth was terrible. I, I was cussing. I was cussing more than everybody because I wanted to be popular and I wanted to fit in and and I'll never forget it. The more I I dived into sin and and chasing my own way. Now this is first this is like first or second grade. And this is this is why we can never assume that God doesn't can't deal with our children because they're young because I was only in first or second grade, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I was cussing I was I was uh, hitting girls on the butt. I was doing all of this stuff. I was just sinning. And I knew I was rebelling against God. But the Holy Spirit, what my dad had be taught me, uh, my parents had taught me, the Lord began to convict my heart. And I wasn't at church. And, and I remember one day I, I came home. Um, I think it was just me and my mom at home, but my mom was like upstairs taking a nap or something. And I was the only one in the um, house, um, um, just me and my mom, but I was the only one awake. And I remember the Holy Spirit just began to convict me like never before. And I can feel that he was grieved. And I began to be extremely convicted of my sin. And, and, and I was on the stair. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was on the stair. I was headed downstairs into my basement into the basement and on the stairwell, the Holy Spirit just began to convict me and I began to cry and I went downstairs and, and I fell to my knees as I felt the conviction of the Holy ghost. And I began to repent of my sin and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me for every sin. I don't want to, I don't want to live in sin anymore. I don't want to rebel against you. And this happened when I was in first or second grade. First or second grade. And so we have to make sure that we are training up our children in the ways of the Lord. And one of the things that made me really begin to think about this, you know what I'm saying, is I begin to um, to see this Momo challenge go viral. And what's interesting um, for you guys who have no idea what the Momo challenge is, it's basically when your kids are watching YouTube kids, when a sponsorship comes up, uh, sometimes this demon will pop up uh, called Momo and she'll begin to tell and encourage your children to cut themselves and harm themselves and she threatens them and says, don't tell your parents, though. Just keep it to yourself. If you tell your parents, I'm going to get you. And she begins to threaten them. And so as I begin to see this Momo challenge, and, and my wife had told me about the Momo challenge months ago before it went viral. But as I begin to look at how the Internet was responding to the Momo challenge, I begin to see Christian parents and non-Christian parents go crazy. Like, man, we got to protect our kids. We we have to guard them against the enemy. And you know what I say to all of that? Amen. Amen. But as we as we strive to guard our children from entertaining demons, we have to make sure that we're not. I'm going to say that again. As we purpose to guard our children from entertaining demons, we have to make sure that we're not. And one of the one of the reasons why I say this is because 
before the Momo challenge went viral, which encourages, ultimately encourages depression and suicide, things that children are dealing with at all time highs today. I remember as many, as many of the same people who were up in arms about the Momo challenge just two months or three months previous to the Momo challenge coming out. These were the same individuals celebrating Bird Box and and boldly saying, man, hey, you should go see Bird Box. It was such a great film. And, 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 and Christians were promoting Bird Box as if it was a good thing. And Bird Box glorified and promoted a spirit of suicide as well. And, and I can hear people saying right now where well, the difference is Bird Box was geared towards older audiences. And and this is targeting children and Momo is targeting children. And I get the point. I get it. But here's my problem with this thought. It's not just children wrestling with depression and suicide and and struggling with sin. Most of the times they're wrestling with these things because the parents aren't guarding them from them because the parents are wrestling with them. The parents, many of us parents are bound by depression. Many of us parents are wrestling with suicidal thoughts and, and thoughts of low self-esteem. And my problem is we treat demonic influences and we we treat the demonic realm as if it's age friendly as it as as if once i get of a certain age it's okay for me to entertain temptation and lust and demons and it's not that we it's not that and, and and i'm dealing with us as christians now the christian parents it's not that we watch certain things that are ungodly and lawless it's, it's what we do after we watch these things we begin to promote these things as if they're good we'll promote a script we'll post a scripture one moment and then we'll share the documentary by killer mike the next minute or or we'll share something that is ungodly and anti-christ the very next minute contradicting our profession of faith. And so when I look at these things, one of the things that the Lord has really been dealing with me is we have to make, we can't, we can't guard our children if we're not guarding ourselves. We cannot build up our children if we're not building up ourselves. You can't give what hasn't been deposited in you. Like, I can't give my children something that I don't have first. And so one of the things that I, I really believe we have to make sure that we're doing as Christian parents, making sure that we are building up ourselves in the Lord and in. And, 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 and making sure that we're denying our flesh, making sure like I saw my parents praying. I saw my parents fasting. I saw my parents reading the word. They would read the word with us. They would pray with us. But I saw them doing it um, in their own personal time. There would be times when I would be in my bed and, and everybody sleep and I would hear my dad up in the living room praying and calling out our names before the Lord. There was times when I went to sleep hearing my dad pray for his family. Man, man, it's time. It's time for us as Christian parents to take back our house, our homes, and stop playing games with the enemy. We can't entertain everything. Because a lot of the things that we're entertaining is an entrance or a invitation into our homes. Some of us ride around, ride around in, the, in our car 
with our children in the car and we're listening to any and everything. We're listening to uh, ungodly music that glorifies fornication, that glorifies greed. It glorifies suicide. And our children are just sitting in the car listening to us. And the music is teaching our our children how to be antichrist and ungodly. And then we want to take our children to church and expect our children to turn out okay. And it don't work like that. And so we have to make sure that we are leading by example. This is so important. And so, again, I'm going to read Proverbs. Proverbs 22 and 6 again, in light of everything that I'm saying, it says train up a child in the way of the Lord, in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, and, and listen, I understand there are some parents who have done all that they know to do. They've done the right things and their children still have walked away from God and have nothing to do with God. But I want to encourage you if that if you fit in that category, keep praying for your child. Don't give up on them. I'm praying with you and believe God is able to do exceedingly and ab- exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or ask in the 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 effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail of much. And so there is hope. And so I'm gonna, I'm going to end with this. A lot of us can be it's okay for us to be concerned about our children and making sure our children are not entertaining demons or entertaining things that are ungodly. But let's make sure that we lead by example as parents. Let's make sure that we 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 become the church and not just take them to church. And so I want to I want to thank everybody who has been tuned into to this this episode. I want to encourage you guys to check out pathofrevelationnow.com. You can leave your prayer request there. Any questions about anything you've heard on the on a show, you can also leave suggestions for future segments and things you would like to hear tackled on the show. Make sure you leave it there. And this has been the Path of Revelation show, and this is where the culture meets scripture.